and welcome to today's podcast, which is from City Parents and Tougher Minds. City Parents is an organisation that supports working parents in corporate roles with a busy programme of content that's delivered through expert-led webinars and seminars. Our content is available both live and on demand, and it's supported by a library of expert articles, blogs, and this, our podcast series. Tougher Minds delivers training that's based on cutting-edge neuroscience and behavioural science to help professionals to do better at home and at work. I'm Anna Richards, Head of Communications and Marketing at City Parents, and I'm going to be talking to Dr. John Finn, the founder and CEO of Tougher Minds. He's worked in performance psychology within elite sport and for some of the world's biggest businesses for over 20 years. He has three psychology-related degrees, including a PhD. He's already trained over 10,000 people with the goal of helping them to feel well, be resilient and perform to our potential. John, it's a real pleasure to talk to you today. Thank you for joining me and for suggesting it as well. This podcast come at the end, or we hope nearly the end, of an 18-month period of a global pandemic. Disruption, uncertainty has been high for all of us. And we're starting to emerge into what might be a new normal, returning to some old habits, perhaps looking forward to some new ones. What are you seeing from clients and people that you're talking to? What are people's state of minds at the moment? And what are they looking for help with? Yeah, hi, Anna. I think it's a real mix, actually. I think people are, have had a different experience. Some people have had this amazing insight into actually how to create balance in their life. They've got to spend more time with their families, etc. Other people on another end of the continuum I'm not doing particularly well. And I'm hearing this language that's been termed the pandemic brain emerging. So, so I think things are different. And I think that's just a mirror to how different people's working lives are. You know, even if they work in the city, some people might be traveling around the world a lot. Some people might be going in there every single day. Some people might be commuting in you know, or there and back four hours a day. Some people might live, you know, in Blackheath and they're just quite close I think can nip in and out of the city so I think everyone's a little bit different the, the kind of work that we're doing with clients is things like returning back to the office anxiety how to start to prepare for that I think that we've had this ever-ending changing of when are we going to go back to the office so that is problematic we've had this huge problem of children if one child has got a positive test and all the classes often so everyone's just in this big flux of transition at the moment I think if we step away from that what definitely has happened in this period is that everyone has developed different habits they've developed new habits some for better some for worse one of the things that we don't really understand because we're not designed to think like this is that most of what we're doing most of the time is habit it's automatic behavior and if people are familiar with people like Daniel Kahneman's work, he won a Nobel Prize, he wrote a popular book called Thinking Fast and Slow. What that work is, is really saying is that how we think is mindless. It's, that means it's a habit. And some of these habits we've got are really helpful for us being at our best. Some of these habits we've got are really unhelpful for us being at our best. And whatever our habits look like before the pandemic, we were forced to change them 
as we made this transition into lockdown and working from home and homeschooling and all that kind of stuff. And some people have managed to establish some really good habits in this 18 month period. And some people have found themselves establishing some really unhelpful habits. Everything from sleep to their diet exercise, to their productivity, through to how they think and they beat themselves up and they worry. And then looking forwards, we're gonna to have to establish a new set of habits that allow us to do really well in the, in the hybrid, flexible, agile world of work, however, whatever our, our businesses are calling it. I think this idea of the pandemic brain is really interesting within that. And people with the pandemic brain reporting things like their attention spans have just been feel like destroyed overnight. They can't concentrate on anything anymore. They feel like they're in this negative thinking pattern rut where they just can't get their attention onto anything that's helpful for them. And I think it's really helpful if we understand that this is, even if we feel like that at the moment, we can get out of it. We can rechange our brain. We can rewire our brain because our brain is changing all the time. And, and I think that it's really helpful for people to understand that actually we're not designed to thrive in a lockdown situation. We're not designed to thrive in the modern world of work. We have these prehistoric brains. Homo sapiens have been around for about 300,000 years. We have done so well on the planet because we are designed to survive. And the, the, the sites in our brain are connected to survival are called the limbic regions. And we can think of them as being interested in three core things. Number one is staying alive. Number two is thinking about how we're perceived by important people in our lives, think social status. And number three is saving energy. And it's so, so we call this part of the brain, the ape brain, the alive perceived energy brain. And this part of the brain dominates our behaviors and it dominates our habits. And often it defaults back to instinctive survival habits, which are things like worrying and beating ourselves up, procrastinating and becoming overly stressed and giving up easily on things because we can, connect all those ideas back to staying alive, being concerned about how we're being perceived by other important people in our lives, and ultimately saving energy, doing things as, as cheaply as possible. And, and the challenge when we go into a lockdown situation and we start to develop an unhelpful sleeping habit, for example, is that the more we practice that habit, the better we get at it. I know for many people, they have been checking the news five, six, seven, eight, nine times a day because there's this constant hook from the news outlets to, to tell you about the latest update, even though when there's nothing really to update. And this has been setting off these alarm bells in people's brains. So they've been getting better at worrying because what happens is when we practice something, just thinking about something or doing something, it literally, literally changes our brain because our brain is made up of about 100 billion neurons and those neurons are like plasticine, they're changing all the time. So if we keep practicing, practicing worrying about the, the pandemic, we're gonna become world champion worriers because we just grow loads of new wires in our brain for that. So everyone is changing their brain all the time. I think we've seen particular 
interesting changes in people's brains during the pandemic. Some people have managed to establish some really fantastic sort of work-life balance, if you like, habits. People that are traveling a lot normally got to spend time with their kids and they haven't done that for a long time. That's been great. On the other end of the continuum, for some people, it's just been extremely challenging. And I think if you do feel like that, don't worry, because we can learn how to reshape our brain to build some better habits that will make us feel better and that will help us to do really well in whatever the new world of work looks like. It's a bit of a relief in a funny way to know that some of this is out of our control because it's what's inbuilt in us, it's innate, but some of it's very much within our control and I'm looking forward to hearing about how we could go about that. Before we do that, I'm really interested in how the pandemic has affected all of us and you talked about checking the news frequently then. One of the big changes, of course, is that so much of our lives has turned digital that we are spending so much time online what do you think the impact of that particular change has been on all of us on our brains and our habits yeah I think it's really interesting we've just written a new book called The Habit Mechanic working title but an early section of that book is talking about something we call the learning war and I don't think this is overselling the idea that there is a learning war going on now more than ever before So the idea of the attention economy is common parlance. Now, I would say people understand what that means. And and essentially, our attention is monetized by big companies, online companies, because they use our attention to sell sell ads. So they want to get us onto their apps so they can sell the retail space on, on the web pages, if you like, to other businesses to sell us their products. And when we used to be talking about the attention economy, we were thinking about Facebooks and these big social media companies. But actually now it's every business because for a period, apart from maybe our supermarket shopping, we were forced to do everything online. So now we literally are in a learning war with some of the biggest companies in the world because their job is to get as much as our attention as possible because that drives their bottom line, whether we're selling clothes or it's a supermarket or it's streaming services like a Netflix, for example, who actually have said publicly their biggest competitor is sleep. So all these businesses are using sophisticated behavioral science to hook us into using their products more and more and more. And anyway, they're doing their job, so fair enough. You know, that's what, that's what they're doing. And it's up to governments to regulate against that. And we saw a piece of regulation recently where the UK government banned the advertisements of fast food online, on the TV as well, I assume, until after 9pm in the evening because they felt advertising and businesses were exploiting young children and really pushing you know, the, these fast foods to them. So we're seeing this, ba- this battle between government legislation and what companies are able to get, get away with. But we're caught in the middle. We're caught in the learning war. So that humans are designed to learn. We're learning all the time. So let me, just let me share what I mean by learning. Asking a human to learn is like asking a human to breathe. I'm not sure who said that. It wasn't me, but it was coined by somebody else. We are designed to learn. So when we're online, we are what the companies are trying to do is to get us to learn to keep going back and checking their news feeds or the website. And that becomes mindless behavior. 
you know, so we've got the experience of having the phone in our hand before we even know what we're doing. And it's just absolutely mindless. What we need to learn is not to become addicted to the websites and the apps. We need to learn how to build better sleep, diet and exercise habits and how to speak to ourselves in a better way and how to be more efficient and effective with our time so we can spend more of our time doing the things that we want to do. So we've got this challenge, and this is what I'm calling the learning war between, I want to learn how to be at my best more often and how to build the habits that will allow me to be at my best, whereas the big business wants me to learn habits that will make me spend more of my time using their services on their platforms. But that is in direct opposition to me being at my best. Does that make sense, Anna? Yeah, absolutely does. It's a real tension there, isn't it? And you can feel it. We can all feel it every day. And so um, amongst all this information, there's lots of good information. There's lots of bad information out there to actually help with some of this. Mental health is high on the agenda. There's lots of tips and, and advice out there, varying in quality, I imagine. How coming to the end of the school summer holidays, perhaps we're starting to go back into the office a little bit. How can we wade through all this advice and information and sign ourselves up to some positive, good habits for the future that we're actually going to stick to? I think one of the things that we hear about is that people treat things slightly as fads. They're going to do a new diet or they're going to start a new gym and then people aren't sticking to them. How do you think we can go about this? Clean slate, looking forward, positive habits that are sustainable for a sort of healthier life moving forward yeah really really interesting question so I call this quick tips and tricks and more recently I've been able to extend it to quick tips and tricksters because actually what's been exploited an awful lot on social media is there are people out there who are disingenuously sharing insights about how they live their life and what results they get and it turns out they're lies. There's a documentary I was watching the other day about one of the very early wellness influencers, a lady called Belle Gibson, rhymes with Mel Gibson. And this lady said that she had cancer and she had a different way of treating cancer, built a whole movement around it. She had an app and a book, one of the first apps to be featured on the Apple iWatch that got an awful lot of publicity in the the book was a penguin book, so it was a, you know, it was a globally pushed book. And it turned out this was all lies and fabrications. People had followed this advice who had cancer or who had other serious illnesses and became even iller because they were following the advice. So I think we have to be very cautious when we see people selling these very simple quick fixes that apparently deliver amazing results. We have to be skeptical of them. And, you know, no doubt on the other end of the continuum, lots of people out there who are genuinely trying to help other people. But I think the challenge with quick tips and, and tricks is that they don't change your behavior. And if we go back to how the brain works, it runs on habits. So knowing more stuff doesn't change your brain. So the NHS has done a fantastic job of informing was in the UK that we need to eat five portions of fruit and veg a day. I think that originally came from California. So I think this is established in the USA as well. And also we need to walk about 10,000 steps a day. So I think more people understand that than ever before. 
yet the NHS is still spending billions of pounds a year treating diseases that emerge because people don't eat properly and exercise properly. So that's a real good example of knowing versus doing. If we understand it's not just about knowing more stuff, it's about doing things differently, that means that anything, any positive change we want to make in our life, we have to try to turn it into a habit. So this is where the habit mechanic comes in so that we understand our brain runs on habits. We can start to analyze those habits, which ones are helping me, which ones are not helping me. And we can start to target one small unhelpful habit at a time and turn that into habit into something that's more helpful for us. And the things that we need that are gonna help us to do that have to be really simple and really practical. We get good at what we practice. So we have to be practicing the things we wanna work on every single day. So one of the tools that we teach people one of the simplest tools is called the Daily T Plan. So T is an acronym. It stands for Tiny Empowering Action. The Daily T Plan has three simple steps. The first thing that you do, you might do this at the start of the day, you answer the question, how well did I do to be my best and achieve my goals yesterday? Ten would mean I was perfect. One would mean I failed completely. But it doesn't matter, it's just making a step back and self-watch. Step two would be just write down, commit to one small, tiny empowering action that's going to make your life a bit easier today. So, for example, it would be things like, I'm only going to check the news once today. I'm going to go for a five-minute walk at lunchtime. I'm going to write a positive reflection at the end of my day. I'm going to eat a piece of fruit for breakfast. Just one, just commit to one tiny thing. And then step three is, why do you want to do that? Okay, well, check in the news only once a day will make it easier for me to concentrate and maybe be more positive. Going for a five-minute walk at lunchtime will make it easier for me to be more productive in the afternoon. Eating a piece of fruit for breakfast gets one of my five of the day out of the way and it might trigger some other helpful behaviours. Writing a written reflection at the end of the day is going to allow me to finish the day well, allow me to switch off and get a better night's sleep. And by doing that, we're going to start to build and change our brain because we're going to do it consistently. So it's finding things that are easy enough to do that you can sustain them. We can make changes, but only tiny changes. So that's the type of thing that, that's going to help us to build uh, new habits. We're looking for things that not only are based on good science and simple and practical, but also things we can put into action that actually allow us to change our brain in a positive way and become a habit mechanic. Very interesting and very approachable, practical and, and doable. I like tiny, tiny sounds achievable to me. So that's great. I think that if I was approaching some of this, I'm somebody that thrives on routine and setting up little incremental changes and repeating them is a way that would work, I think, well for me. How do we balance this framework and repetition and routine with the need for flexibility flexibility is a big topic for us at city parents as you can imagine and it feels sort of high on the agenda at the moment how much of this flexibility in terms of work patterns will continue post pandemic and what would those look like I think is something that lots of us are thinking about so a new world might not necessarily be nine to five in the office every day with a repeatable commute maybe each day looks a little bit different 
how do we balance that need for the structure and the routine around habit making and the need for flexibility around it? Yeah, it's a good question. And I think that we probably overestimate how, whether we're going to the office or whether we're at home, how different that is for our bodies because our heart is still beating, we're still breathing, all these basic physiological things are still going on, which occupy most of what our brain does. So we only have a tiny bit of room for flexibility in our prefrontal cortex. And, and routine is just a collection of habits. We're looking for a great routine on the day we need to go into the office, or we're looking for the routine that allows us to do really well if, if we're working from home. And we're only going to uncover those by planning and reflecting. So I'd say that what I'd be looking to do is start to formalize what is my plan for me to be at my best if I'm working from home and what is my plan to be at my best when I'm going to the office. Some parts of the plan won't change. So I've, I've got them up on my office wall here. I've got um, daily habits, weekly habits, monthly habits, and I've got, just looking up there, I've got maybe 15 daily habits that are mindless now but sometimes they might go off, off track, so I've written them down. I call these my progress habits. I know that if I get these right, everything else gets easier. So whether I'm working at home or from the office, I know that I need to be prioritising getting a great night's sleep. Whether I'm working at home or from the office or you know, before the pandemic, I work all around the world. The first thing I do when I get up in the morning is I go for a run. I go for a run to activate my brain in the way it needs to be activated so I can think clearly. At the end of the day, I'm always going to be writing a written reflection. So there are going to be some stable things that you've got that are going to allow you to be at your best. But there's going to be some flexibility around some of the other things that allow you to be at your best. But we're not really designed to, we're designed just to be thinking about the next 10 minutes. That's how our brain works. So in order to get a sense of what kind of habits are going to allow us to thrive, both working from home, working in the office, we've got to step back and think and reflect and do what I call personal research, which doesn't mean you need to do a dissertation or a PhD on your life. It just means that you test and you try things out. I'm just going to try turning my phone off this morning and turn my emails off and see if that allows me to be more productive. Oh, that didn't work for me. So I'm going to try it in the afternoon this time. So just trying and testing these little things, you know, and some people have, have been doing this with some success. One of the things I'm hearing from clients is that they are physically reshaping what their offices look like. So when you go back into the office next, it might look completely different to how it looked previously. And it may be much more open plan. So there are going to be new adjustments that you need to make. But I think that the, the key tools to flexibility planning or really nailing flexibility are planning and reflection. And actually, it's going to be about working out the two or three contexts I'm going to have to get good at working in. And there'll be just slightly different routines across those contexts. Some parts of the routines will be very similar. A system like the T plan is going to help you in, in all three because it's a, you know, it's a broad way of thinking about your day, whatever context you're working in. Does that make sense, Alan? Absolutely. It certainly does. And thinking back to your reflections on the pandemic brain and our focus and attention that has waned at times, what do you think the potential pitfalls are? And if we're 
have started out really well and perhaps after a few days is already wobbling a bit. How would you suggest getting back on track? I think our life is just a bit of a roller coaster ride. It's going up and down all the time and sometimes you're doing great and one thing happens and it all falls to pieces. The reason that we've innovated the idea of the habit mechanic is so people get better at riding that roller coaster and the undulations become less steep essentially so that we get better at recognizing wait a minute i'm not doing too well at the minute i need to address this so we can't stop ourselves not feeling so well or getting stressed but we can help ourselves to address it faster equally if we're doing really well and things are going great we can check in and say well am i pushing myself too hard or can i push myself even harder so really it's having a greater self-awareness and that's where just that very simple idea of stepping back at the start of every day and saying, well, how well am I doing out of 10? Do the same thing every week, do the same thing every month. So if we're going to get better at managing our lives and the flow of our lives, we have to get better at stepping back and building that into our diaries and, and taking the time to do that. Even five, well, two or three minutes a day, 15 minutes at the end of the week, half an hour once a month you know that's plenty of time to do some good work in that area once we recognize what we need to do to do better so i've recognized well it's a sleep problem this or it's a stress management problem or it's a productivity problem or it's i'm just not able to lead my team like i was when, when i saw them first to first whatever it is whatever new habits you want to build we need to harness behavioral science to help us to build the new habit I think a lot of it is about us prioritizing, taking that little bit of time for ourselves and putting ourselves at the top of the list, which we're often quite low down a rather long list, I think. So I think that's a great note to finish on, Dr. John Finn. Thank you so much for joining me today. And thank you to all our listeners from Tougher Minds and also City Parents. If you'd like to find out more about Tougher Minds and how to become a habit mechanic, please visit tougherminds.co.uk and you can select habit mechanic training. And you can check out what's coming up next on the City Parents programme of content at cityparents.co.uk. And you can follow both companies on LinkedIn for the latest news and updates. And for now, thank you and goodbye.